The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. And hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who's got the touch. Welcome, Jacob. Why, thank you. <laughs> Let me introduce our co-host. A man who just apparently thinks he's in the wrong uh, universe. He thinks he... You like, broke uh, the script! <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you were going to actually say, I enjoyed by the man with the power. And I go, what power? <laughs> I was about to say it, but never mind. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. He he has the power. Welcome, Drew. I have the power, but this isn't He-Man. Yeah, exactly. If if He-Man actually did a really good animated movie, instead of we already the, did one of his. Hmm. We already did one of his. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's There's true. Another one we probably are going to have to do oh, at some point. I thought we did. We have only done Secret of the Sword. Oh yeah, we didn't there do the, is Christmas. the Christmas special. Oh my gosh, if, guys, if you had never, ever, ever, ever seen that, whoo, interesting, interesting, interesting movie. Let's just say that. <laughs> and Skeletor in that movie is so funny. Yes, but he's not in this one. No, he's not. And think. Skeletor's not even in. Well, if, I'm at the um, actor. If Oppenheimer, I don't. Yeah, Alan Oppenheimer's not in this. No, was, Oppenheimer. Yeah, that was last week. That was last week. Yes. I'll get you, He-Man, with my army of small puppet men. <laughs> <laughs> what? What is? No, no. What are you no. saying? No, I was looking. I was looking at the chat. I was looking at the chat. What it, is? He, it says. Ruined. Ruined. Oh. You're missing the R up here. R-U-I-N-E-D. I can tell that. You're welcome, Roy. Roy, you confused Jacob. Congratulations. That didn't confuse me because I didn't have all the context. Right. Well, you were busy while he was typing all that. Yes. We don't get the full word on here. Yeah. Either way. Certified fresh and spoiler free. Spoiler free thoughts. Uh, fourth time watching this film? Maybe fifth? Maybe is uh, of course last time was for season during season one of the cell cast. Yes. And ironically, the more I think about it, I think this is the recorded. This is the show where uh, the uh, meanwhile at Castle Grayskull came out. Yes, because I was I was actually listening to it on iTunes or like uh, yeah, Apple, it, uh, whatever the Apple thing is. Yeah. Apple Podcast. Apple, Apple Podcast. I was listening to it. And it came up right in the middle of the episode. I was like, what in the world? And we're talking about Grayskull. I was like, that's the episode. That's yeah. the episode. Where this I came think, from. I think I edited like the whole thing out to leave it separate. Yes. Because we literally were going nowhere with that conversation. That's that why. I, but that was still so funny. That's but true. yeah, that, that was the last time I watched it. Uh, the time before that I watched it was when we saw it in a theater. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it a couple years, a couple, a couple years before that. Mm -hmm. This, admittedly, this era of Transformers is before my time. Ah. I came in at Beast Wars. Uh, okay. So I, I appreciate this. Don't get me wrong, but this is entire. This is entirely different from what I think of as Transformers. Fair. It's good. Don't get me wrong, but it is definitely '80s. Yes, it is. In 
more ways than I can possibly count. Mm. But it's not doesn't mean it make it a bad thing. No. And it's got a cast of thousands, it seems like. Yes. Based on this cast list I'm currently looking at. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, what's your uh, spoiler-free thoughts on this? My spoiler-free thoughts, my history on uh, Transformers or Transformers movie, uh, grow, uh, being a very small child in the 80s or very little child in the 80s and uh, watching Transformers, He-Man, Thundercats, what have you, Turtles. And um, and so this came out, and I didn't see it for a couple of years, and uh, my parents bought it on, or rented it on VHS and just absolutely loving this thing to death. And uh, there again, this was the edited version of the film. Yes, because the home video version mm-hmm. took out the word that made it PG. Yes. Said by Spike Witwicky. Yes. but they AKA didn't... the character in the new films played mm. by Shia LaBeouf. No, 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 no. Exactly. So, uh, so I, I mean, like this movie is kind of, it's ingrained in my memory. I have so much nostalgia for it. And uh and I bought, I think I bought the 20th edition, 20th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And, and then I've watched that over the years. Went and saw it in theaters with this dude for the 30th. And uh, which uh, cemented this podcast yeah. for, for going to watch this film. And then, and then like watching it for the 30th, the 30th anniversary, rewatching it again for this episode. I just absolutely adored this film. Yeah, it has flaws, but it is such a good movie. Mm-hmm. So on that note, why don't we go ahead and jump into our spoiler filled thoughts on the on the Transformers, the movie? Yes. The following is a spoiler filled review for the film, the Transformers, the movie. Listener discretion is advised. The Transformers, the movie, was directed by Nelson Shin, who directed apparently some episodes of a television show called Toad Patrol. Toad Patrol. I have never heard of it. He's got I, a couple I'm, other director credits, but most this was the like the only thing I recognize the name of. Hmm. Maybe besides a Dennis the Menace special, hmm. <laughs> of all things. But uh, yeah, I... I'm assuming it has nothing to do with battle toads, but I have no idea what toad patrol would be. Otherwise, uh, it was written by Ron Friedman, uh, Flint deal, Douglas Booth and Roger Slifer, and is based on the transformers created by Henry Orenston. Hmm. What'd you find? Uh, apparently it came out in October 2nd, 1999. On Teletoons in Canada, and it's September 20... Ah, here we go. Uh, on Teletoons, which was now Cartoon Network in Canada, and in 2007, or 2002, on Toon Disney. Ah. And it looks like it was a one-season... Yeah, no, two probably, seasons. Two, it was yeah. two seasons. Okay, so it's not really a long-lasting thing. No, he no, directed no. a bunch of episodes of that. Yeah. Getting into the cast. Yes. And we're going to be on the cast for a couple minutes, folks. Of course. This is the 80s. And- Starting at the very top, Peter Cullen, who voiced Optimus Prime and Ironhide. Did he did, voice other people, too? These are the two main ones. Oh. I, I, I did limit it to, like, main people. Oh, okay. Well, it lists most of these. Some of these, it goes, like, like I'll get down here to Frank mm-hmm. Walker, and there's a couple. Mm-hmm. But, uh... 
Yeah. Did you know that in The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, that mm. television show from the late 80s, yeah. he was the voice of Eeyore. Frank, um, Peter Cullen. Peter Cullen. Didn't know that. Huh. I just want you to picture uh, uh, Eeyore saying, begging for your life, Megatron. I thought you were made of sterner stuff <laughs> or something to that effect. Mm. Judd Nelson mm -hmm. played Hot Rod and, of course, Rodimus Prime. Yes. And uh, he's probably most famous for playing John Bender in The Breakfast Club. Yes. A AKA, AKA the, the uh, only actual delinquent in The Breakfast Club. That is true. <laughs> who was I, at, at a on-school, Saturday school suspension, whatever that was. Mm. That is a movie I have seen clips of. I remember seeing it when I was very young. I don't remember a thing about it, but I remember like most of the like the big clips that come out. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, you need to go rewatch that film. It's I, classic. I it's fell a, asleep watching that. It's film. A John John Howard, John Hughes, John Hughes. I was close. John Hughes film. Robert Stack was the voice of Ultra Magnus. Yes. However, his most famous role is Elliot Ness in The Untouchables, or the host of. That's the other thing. Unsolved the host Mysteries. of Unsolved Mysteries, yeah. but he's. Probably he got that role because of Elliot Ness and the Untouchables. And did you ever watch the movie Airplane? I've again, I've seen. I've, he's I've, in, I saw it as a kid, but I don't remember. He's in that movie as Rex Kramer, mm. and uh, he's pretty much playing Elliot Ness in that. Oh, okay. So just for a correction, I think you get the it's flipped because he was first Elliot Ness, and later on in his career, he was part of uh, Unsolved Mysteries. That's what I said. Okay. I might have flipped it in my I own said, mind. But yeah. Anyway. Yes. Anyways. Neil Ross was the voice of Springer, Slag, Bone Crusher, and Hook. And in An American Tale, he played Honest John. Hmm. Who was not honest. At all. Go back and re-listen mm -hmm. that episode. Susan Blue was the voice of R.C. Mm-hmm. And in the hit... Christmas special. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. She played grandma. Really? And uh, she actually has a bigger role in that movie than you think she would. Oh, okay. I sat through that garbage. Uh, Retro says John Howard was the director of Apollo 16 Candles. I don't remember that film. I remember 16 Candles. Recently watched that yeah. one. Yeah. Lionel Stander played Cup. And in the television series Heart to Heart, he played Max. Hmm. I believe was the their butler, basically. Ah, gotcha. Frank Welker was the voice of Wheelie, Megatron, Soundway, Frenzy, Rumble, and a Junkie on. Yes. And in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, he was both Toka and Razor. Yes. John Moshida Jr. was the voice of Blur, but we probably both remember him as... The announcer on the Micro Machines commercials back in the 1980s, after he was on that FedEx commercial about, about uh, I can't do it that anymore. I tried. <laughs> I remember his blur. Yeah, That's but I mean, I he, was a, he did a lot of commercials back in the day, too. Dan Gil Gilvazan played Bumblebee, and he played Colossus in The Pride of the X-Men. Really? Yeah. Okay, I never, I never connected those two. That's cool. Corey Burton was the voice of Braun, Shockwave, and Spike Witwicky. And he played Moliere in Atlantis, The Lost Empire. 
Hmm. You know, mole. Yes, you I remember. You have disturbed the dirt. <laughs> yes, I remember. So good. Leonard Nimoy was the voice of Galvatron. And he was, of course, Spock in Star Trek, the original series. What is this Star Trek you speak of? Oh, hang on. Roger C. Carmel was the voice of Cyclonus and the Quintessen leader. He was also in Star Trek. He played Harry Mudd. Who's Harry Mudd? Harry Mudd is in two episodes of Star Trek, the original series. He is a charlatan, I think is the word. Hmm. Uh, he, he has two episodes, uh, Mudd's Women and I Mudd. Okay. Mud's women, he is literally shipping uh, ladies to minors to get them to buy it. And, and there's a weirdness there. And then he tries to take over a bunch of androids in iMud. Mm. And uh, when they went back to Star Trek Discovery and went mm. back to this time period, mm -hmm. they decided Harry Mud needed to be there too. So they cast uh, Rain Wilson, mm. aka. Uh, Dwight, thank you. Dwight, okay. Dwight Schrute. Hmm. Sorry. Moving on. Stanley Jones was the voice of Scourge, and he was the narrator in the Little Shop of Horrors. Ah. The musical. Oh, okay. Movie. Hmm. Chris Lotta was the voice of Starscream and Laserbeak, which is hilarious when he talks about Laserbeak being a Megatron talks about Laserbeak being a better minion than Starscream. That was perfect. But he was Cobra Commander in G.I. Joe. Mm. Oh, yeah. You can hear it. Arthur Berghart was Devastator, and he played Destro in G.I. Joe. Nice. Don Messick was Scavenger and Gears in this. Mm. And, of course, he is the original voice of none other than Scooby-Doo in Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Rare. Rare. <laughs> Jack Angel was the voice of Astro Train and Ramjet. And in Toy Story, he was the voice of the shark. Oh, okay. That makes hey, guys, sense. I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Mm -hmm. Ed Gilbert was the voice of Blitzwing. And in Spider-Man, the animated series, he played Dormammu. Oh, yeah, because Dorm Dorm Dormammu actually showed up. Forgot. Yes. Wow. 90s. Weird, right? Bear in mind, this is the same universe as X-Men animated series. Yes. So there's a chance. X-Men 97. That's Spider-Man the car. The, we the might we, we might have somebody else pretend uh, be playing um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, <laughs> Stephen Doug. Strange, Doctor Strange said, "Dormammu, I've come to bargain." <laughs> Minus what we understand now that the Mar uh, X Men ninety seven isn't connected to the MCU. Officially, what we what we understand Officially. now. Officially, we'll see. We'll see. We shall see. Clive Revel was the voice of Kickback. And his role that he is probably most famous for is not a role you can actually see anymore. Because the company that owns, uh, well, the director of, or the owner, basically, of these films, mm -hmm. went and made special editions that changed things and put actors who were in later movies in this role, replacing his secretary and the voice of the Emperor in star wars empire strikes back oh he played he was the, the voice, voice of, he was the original voice of the emperor uh, okay <laughs> wow guys when i saw that i had to double check it's like okay is is that right is imdb wrong 
Did they not have Ian McDermott in episode five originally? Mm -hmm. uh, Hal Rail was the voice of Shrapnel, and he was Deep Six in G.I. Joe. Mm. Orson Welles was the voice of Unicron, mm -hmm. and he played Kane in Citizen Kane, the most famous role he's probably had. Mm -hmm. Rod Regis Cordick was the Quintessen Judge, and in Super Friends, he played Apache Chief. Oh. <laughs> Eric Idle was the voice of Retgar. And I chose this one just for our good friend Francisco with the Retro Rewind podcast. Too bad he's not hearing this because he had to go to the dentist. He is known for playing Sir Robin in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You're welcome, Roy. <laughs> Norman Aiden was the voice of Kranix. And in Back to the Future, he played Lou. I don't know who Lou is. I'm drawing the blind. Literally, it was the only thing I in only thing in his list that I recognized at least the name of the movie. Oh, okay. We will probably find out later this year. Probably. Walker Edmiston was the voice of Inferno, and he was a thug guard in the Great Mouse Detective. Hmm. Lastly, Victor Caroli was the narrator, hmm. and he was also the narrator in Transformers: Titans Return. Hmm. Kingdom Hearts connections. Guess how many we have. Oh, wow. That big of a cast. And I will say, I did mention everybody uh, in the Kingdom Hearts Connections in the cast list. Okay. Um, let's go ballpark six. Hang on. He has to count on people. You are close. Up or down? Down. Five. Yes. Okay. Starting off, we've got Leonard Nimoy, who played Galvatron in oh, this. Oh, gosh. And he was Lord Xehanort in Kingdom Hearts, or two of the Kingdom Hearts games before, unfortunately, his mm. passing. Uh-huh. Frank Welker. Mm-hmm. Most known in this is Megatron et al. So many others he played. Mm. He was also Experiment 226. Sparky. I'm oh, sorry, mm. 221. 226 two, two, is Stitch. Yeah. 626. He's I may have the experiment number. Either way, he played Sparky. Corey Burton, the voice of Spike Witwicky mm -hmm. et al. And he was <gasps> Yensen, Ansem the Wise, Zeus, Dale, Claude Frollo, Captain Hook, Magic Mirror, Sark, the Master Control Program, Santa Claus, Shanyu, the Peddler, the White Rabbit, and the Doorknob in Kingdom Hearts. Good job. He has the most roles. <laughs> Greg Berger, the voice of Grimlock. He also played Eeyore. In fact, he's the original Eeyore. Say what? Yeah. <laughs> the original Eeyore from the original. If I, if I got it correct, yeah. Huh. Lastly, because Smash Brothers is a Kingdom Hearts game. Like we've stated. Paul Eating, the voice of Perceptor. As I mentioned earlier, he is Colonel Roy Campbell in Metal Gear Solid, and he reprised that role for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, technically in archive audio, because he recorded his lines way back in Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Ah, okay. So, cool. That's what I've got in Kingdom Hearts Connections in the cast list. What do we have in Info and Stuff? All right, Info and Stuff. IMDb has a 7.2 7 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes a 68 percentage score. Watch. You can't stream this movie anywhere, people anywhere be like you can rent you can rent it rent the stream but you can't just stream it anywhere hasbro hurry up and fix that yeah come on 
Transformers. Come on, people love Transformers. You'll make money. Yeah, you'll make a lot of money. Um, uh, it's available on Apple Plus for two ninety nine and uh, Vudu for two ninety nine. So yeah, if you want to go rent them, that's the only two places right now you can get them. Unless I'm going to buy it off Amazon. Uh, let's see. It was production was by Sumbo Entertainment, but some by production Marvel Marvel Productions and Toy Animation. Mm-hmm. Distributed originally by I'm probably going to butcher this, so I apologize. De Laurentis. Laurentis Entertainment. De Laurentis. De Laurentis. Thank you. Um, De Laurentis what? Entertainment De La- Group. Thank you. De Laurentis Entertainment The same Group. people who made the 80s King Kong. Yes. Really? Yeah. Huh. Now you know. Uh, let's see. Run Runtime? I forgot to put the runtime down, but it's... I don't know if it actually says it. It on probably there. doesn't. Now that I'm looking. <laughs> Anyway, you know I'm going to say it then. No, it doesn't. It's it's about almost two hours. It's almost a two hour film. Yeah. Either way. Uh, so release date was August 8th, 1986. Box office. It's estimated budget was six million dollars. It's opening weekend for the United States and Canada was one point seven million dollars on August 10th, 1986. And it grossed only five hundred and eighty five hundred. $5.8 million gross. And that's not counting be like, I don't, I may have gotten an international release. Just don't have that information. Uh, that's not including marketing and promotions and nothing. So this movie made Jack crap. So but like on top of this GI Joe, GI Joe, the movie, my little pony, the movie. Yeah. That was all around the same time. All around the same time. These movies didn't do well. And then I think they were in the process of doing a um, gem in the holograms. Film. Yeah. And then that got canceled. That got canned. And then also got the Thundercats movie canned. And so it'd be like you had this one movie with a little outside of it. Just be like just devastated the uh, the the potential of putting out movies from the TV series. For many years. Yeah. Anyways, we wouldn't get any more movies until, except until they did the direct to home video stuff. Mm-hmm. Like with, I know there was a, a bunch of stuff that was Hasbro has that came out like right after that. Yeah. That you can tell there's a dip in quality. Yes. Major yes. dip in quality. Yes. All right. So yeah, worldwide, uh, worldwide gross was the same as as very close as five point eight. Six sixty million uh, home release. Uh, this one gets a little tricky, so let's go through it. Uh, film was originally released in nineteen eighty seven on VHS, Baymax, and Laserdisc. Betamax, not Baymax. This, this is Baymax is on Big Hero Six. Yes, Betamax, on the other hand, yes, was a different format. Yes, in I'm North- surprised it wasn't on CED also. Yeah, they don't. They, it's not registered there uh, by Family Home Entertainment. Which is if any of you people F-A-G. know FEG? Oh my gosh, Turtles! I just remember watching that commercial, and you can tell the narrator may not have seen the script before he started recording, because he finally starts saying the name, and he's like not sure if he's reading it correct. Because Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, 
This print of the film removed the use of profanity by the character of Spike, but retained the line from Ultra Magnus, which was so weird. Yeah. Like, okay, so here, here's my thing. So you, you cut out a human using a curse word, but then you're totally fine with the robot saying the it. The robot saying it and all of this robotic carnage, but a human saying one curse word. Now, granted, it was a big curse word back in the 80s. And then you leave a robot saying the D word. Weird. And there are, I know in Hollywood, there are levels yes. to the curses because of what it took to get on there. And apparently, S, because the word he said was the word for excrement mm-hmm. instead of the word to yes. being cursed to hell. Yes. Actually, hell is also a curse word technically. Yes. In some circles. Some circles. Either way. What the hairball are you saying? Either way. (laughs) Continue. Yes. Um, Rhino Home Entertainment released the film on VHS in 1999. This version used the UK master, which uh, has scrolling text and narration at the beginning to replace the the, uh, cast credits. And additionally, closing narration, uh, assuring viewers that Optimus Prime will return. This narration was presented... In two seasons. Or no, in, one season. Yeah. No, technically, let's Not see. even a whole season. No, not a whole, even a whole season. Because From my understanding, it's like, like 10 episodes after this. Yeah, pretty much. Let's just say that. Sorry. Uh, anyways... Uh, the narration was presented in the uh, British, British theater release. The company released the film on DVD on November 7th in 2000 with a newly remastered print based on the U.S. version and restored Spike's swear by swear word following Rhino's home release to Sumbo's catalog expiring. Sony Wonder released a two-disc 20th edition anniversary on November 7, 2006. This release featured a brand new widescreen mas- remaster of the film, in addition to the original full full screen edition version. The extras included several audio commentaries, newly produced behind-the-scenes featurettes, storyboards, commercials, and an episode of Transformers Victory Scramble City Mobilization. However, it only features audio commentary. Shop Factory released a 30th edition, 30th anniversary edition on Blu-ray and DVD on September 13th, 2016. Shop Factory has released a 35th anniversary on a 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray on August 3rd, 2021, there is no sequel. And unless you yes, like the, the, the Bayformers movies don't actually exist. Yeah, and unless you count like unless you count season three of Transformers. Or, or the Be- Transformers. Or Beast Wars for that matter. In, in some regards. <laughs> because yes. it's both sequel and prequel to the original yes. Transformers. And then you go into the comics and different things. Mm. Yeah, so that's all I all I have all I have for info and stuff. All right, getting into the summary. Yes. In the far distant future of 2005, the evil Decepticons have conquered the Autobots' home planet of Cybertron. The heroic Autobots, operating from Cybertron's two moons, prepare a counteroffensive. 
Autobot leader Optimus Prime sends a shuttle to Autobot City on Earth for supplies. However, their plan is discovered by the Decepticons, who kill Ironhide, Prowl, Ratchet, oh. Brawn, and hijack the ship. Ow. In Autobot City, Hot Rod, relaxing with Daniel Witwicky, the son of Spike Witwicky, spots the hijacked shuttle and a deadly battle breaks out. Optimus arrives with reinforcements just as the Decepticons are near victory. Optimus defeats many of them and then engages Megatron in brutal combat. You know what? I'm going to reword that. Mm. Optimus feats many of them and engages Megatron in Mortal Kombat, leaving both mortally wounded, forcing the Decepticons to retreat and carry their wounded Decepticons mm. as they get in Astro Train and go to space. Ah. Before dying, Optimus attempts to pass the Matrix of Leadership onto Ultra Magnus. Thanks, Hot Rod. Telling him that its power will light the Autobots' darkest hour. It drops from Optimus's hands, however, and is caught by Hot Rod, who then hands it to Ultra Magnus. He's got the touch. To conserve fuel so the Decepticons can make it to Cybertron, they jettison Thundercracker, Skywarp, Shrapnel, Kickback, Bombshell, and, of course, Megatron. I still function. What a bet. <laughs> who got discarded by his treacherous second-in-command, Starscream. Drifting into space, the wounded Decepticons are found by Unicron, a sentient planet who consumes other worlds. Unicron offers Megatron a new body in exchange for destroying the Matrix, which has the power to destroy Unicron. Megatron reluctantly agrees and is remade into Galvatron, while the corpses of the other jettisoned Decepticons are converted into his new troops, Cyclonus, Cyclonus's Armada, Scourge, and the Sweeps, before Unicron gives Galvatron a ship for him. Uh -huh. On Cybertron, Galvatron disrupts Starscream's coronation as Decepticon leader and kills him. This is bad comedy. Thank you. <laughs> Unicron then consumes the moons of Cybertron, including the secret bases with Autobots and Spike. Retaking command of the Decepticons, Galvatron leads his forces to seek out Ultra Magnus at the ruined Autobot City. The surviving Autobots escape in separate shuttles, which are shot down by the Decepticons and crash on different planets. Hot Rod and Cup are taken prisoners by the Quintessens, a clutch of tyrants who hold kangaroo courts and execute prisoners by feeding them to Sharktacons. Hot Rod and Cup learn of Unicron from Cranix, a lone survivor of Lithoni? Lithone? Something? A planet devoured by Unicron. In the very beginning. Oh, yeah, that, that they did say. He did say Lithoni. Sorry. Yes. After Krennix is executed, Hot Rod and Cup escape, aided by the Dinobots and the small Autobot Wheelie, who helps them find an escape ship. The other Autobots land on the planet of Junk, where they are attacked by the native Junkions, who then hide from Galvatron's arriving forces. Ultra Magnus secures the remaining Autobots while attempting and failing to release the power of the Matrix. He is destroyed by Galvatron, who seizes the Matrix, now intent on using it to control Unicron. The Autobots befriend the local Junkions, led by Rekgar, who rebuild Magnus. They are joined by the Autobots from the planet of the Quintessens, deducing that Galvatron has the Matrix, the Autobots, and the Junkions, who have their own ship, fly to Cybertron. Galvatron attempts to threaten Unicron, but like Ultra Magnus, cannot activate the Matrix. In response to Galvatron's threats, Unicron transforms into a colossal robot and begins to dismember Cybertron. When Galvatron attacks him... Unicron swallows him and the Matrix whole. The Autobots crash their spaceship outward through the Unicron's eye and become disbanded while Unicron continues to battle Decepticons. Junkions and other defenders of Cybertron, uh, Daniel saves his father Spike from Unicron's digestive system, and the group rescue Bumblebee, Jazz, and Cliffjumper. Galvatron attempts to form an alliance with Hot Rod, but Unicron forces him to attack. Hot Rod is almost killed, but at the last second recovers and successfully activates the Matrix, resulting in him becoming Rodimus Prime, the new Autobot leader. 
Rodimus loses, tosses Galvatron into space and uses the Matrix's power to destroy Unicron, then escapes with the other Autobots. With the Decepticons in disarray from Unicron's attack, the Autobots celebrate the war's end and the retaking of their home planet while Unicron's severed head orbits Cybertron. That can't be good. No. Getting into the trivia. This was Orson Welles' final film before his death on October 10th, 1985. Five days At later. At the age of 70, he mm -hmm. recorded his lines five days prior on October 5th. Mm -hmm. This was also Scatman Crothers' final film before his death on November 22nd, 1986, at age 76. Mm. This film is considered the bridge between the second and third seasons of The Transformers, mm -hmm. as several third-season characters are introduced here and several first-season characters are killed or altered. Director Nelson Shin and story consultant Flint Dahl then have confirmed that Orson Welles had a hard time recording his lines due to his failing health. Mm. Most of his lines included labored breathing and heavy wheezing. Shin considered most of Welles' dialogue unusable, but put the recordings through a voice synthesizer to give Welles' voice a clearer, more ominous tone. According to Shin, Unicron's on-screen voice is an enhanced synthesized version of Welles' voice. Mm -hmm. You can definitely tell in some cases. This movie was produced at the same time as G.I. Joe the Movie 1987 mm -hmm. by the same company. It had been agreed that both movies would suffer the loss of their lead heroes, Optimus Prime and Duke. Mm -hmm. Production started on G.I. Joe first, but Transformers ended up being completed and released first. Optimus Prime's death sparked a huge amount of controversy, causing the writers to change Duke's death to a coma. G.I. Joe was released so direct to video. Had that movie been released first, Optimus Prime might have survived. Megatron is transformed into Galvatron. In the television seasons that followed, Frank Welker took back over the role of Galvatron. Mm. Welker had previously provided the voice, well, screams only, for Spock in Star Trek III The Search for Spock, which Leonard Nimoy appeared in and directed. Mm-hmm. Writer Ron Friedman described himself as extremely opposed to killing off Optimus Prime, whom, who he considered a father figure and icon. Quote, to remove Optimus Prime, to, to physically remove Daddy from the family, that wasn't going to work, Friedman yeah. said. Yeah. I told Hasbro and their lieutenants they would, have to, they would have to bring him back, but they said no and had, quote unquote, great things planned. In other words, they're going to create new, more expensive toys. Yeah, because it's literally what they were doing with this film. It was like, okay, we need yeah. to get rid of all these old toys. How do we do that? We just go the characters off. They're just characters, no problem. They're just toys. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. They, they didn't realize that kids were going to lock themselves in closets and have to go see therapy for years because their favorite characters died on screen in front of them. It's like Hasbro forgets that fans are people too, not sources of money, Hasbro. Oh, come on. I'm sorry. Hasbro's been doing a lot of stupid stuff recently, too. No, you think? So, yeah. Shout out to our Dungeons & Dragons brethren and the people who were not a fan of Power Rangers Cosmic Fury. Anyway. What's your first like for this film? Now, my first like of this film would be the animation. Because there again, they bumped the animation so... They like... Like, all the fight scenes are done incredibly well. Definitely when Optimus Prime shows up with his, you got the touch scene where he yeah. transforms and rolls into Autobot City, just slagging the crap out of uh, 
you know, out of the uh, the Decepticons and the whole bit, amazing fight between him and uh, Megatron until mm, somebody interrupts the fight. Hot Rod. <laughs> Literally not. Here's the question, because I was not watching the show, obviously, back then. I wasn't even alive. I, I was one or two. Yeah. Was Hot Rod a well-liked character? He wasn't. He wasn't introduced until the the movie. I know, but after this, I have no idea because I don't remember season three. Okay, yeah, because I remember season one, season two, read the movie, and then I remember something about season three. That's about it. I was just curious. Yeah, but animation in this movie is like if you go to like the big key scenes, like the beginning, the the point where. Uh, Good yeah. night. Just the flyby of Unicron. Oh yeah, beautiful. Oh my gosh, be like it's just beautiful front end. Be like the the attack on uh, the attack on Kranix's planet. Kranix's planet. Be like everything leading up. Be like you get to like the 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 second act. Things kind of get a little wonky here and there. The like you had this amazing front end of animation is so well done, and it kind of spirals a little bit towards the end. But um, the the but you had so much great animation because you're using it all for these big fights, these big enormous fights where a lot of characters die. Yeah, Hasbro. <laughs> but understanding where they're coming from, they're they're a business, and so they're just trying to and besides you know, move along product. And besides, in in context of the show, of the television show, everything they're at war, and as all as we all know, war never changes. That is true. But oh my gosh, the, 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 yeah, I'll get that in my second, but the, this movie, like beautifully animated, beautifully animated, just like if you've seen, um, GI Joe, the movie, the very, the opening scene, the opening scene of this movie is beautifully well done. It's well, very well written, mm-hmm. drawn and animated because there again, it was the eighties, no computer generation. It's all hand drawn. Yeah. Which is like I, I wish they could go back to that, but you understand, you know, the cost expenses and the whole thing. Yeah. And plus, you have to train the entire generation how to draw something or hand draw something. Yeah, I was, I was about to say they can draw. They could draw very well. It's just, and most of them probably can hand draw, but hand drawing to that amount of is, is a very dire uh, exactness to mm-hmm. where it gets literally the same character frame for frame uh-huh. and not some weird redesign. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, this is a this is a beautiful film. Very well done. It's got animation flaws all through it, but it's very well done. I enjoyed the animation, and uh, as a little kid, be like it touched me. It touched my my little uh, eight, a probably six seven year old soul. And it's just like wow, this is amazing. So mm-hmm. yeah, the animation is good. I'll I'll get to the animation later in my dislikes, but good animation. My first like for this film yes. is the fact that it does take itself seriously. It does. The, let's face it. The concept for this show mm-hmm. and movie mm-hmm. are absolutely ridiculous. They make less sense than even superhero comic books in a lot of ways. Mm. There's, there's, don't worry, don't worry, there's thought put into it, but it takes a, they had the guts not just to kill Optimus Prime and all the G1, but they but to do it and give them all pretty decent outs to their story. Uh, 
yeah, Optimus Prime gets the best one, but he's the main one, and they have to pass on the the MacGuffin mm-hmm. to Robert Stack, uh, and, and so that's why he gets the the big thing. Of course, he's Optimus Prime; he's the leader of the Autobots. So of course, he's going to have the good death, mm-hmm. good, the good death scene. But every single one of them go out defending Cybertron and Earth yeah. and being good guys, and the 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 villains that go out go out like the way they should also i mean starscream dies immediately after getting getting, becoming the king of cybertron by megatron reborn with the best lines is megatron is that you there's a hint (laughs) i count there is not a bad death in this oh agreed i actually actually counted be like starscream starscream was emperor for about a minute 15 yeah and then he got disintegrated which is about right but i mean it fits it's like yeah it's sad that they did this and obviously we know the intention was we want more toys Mm -hmm. to sell and we can't sell the old ones so of course we're cleaning the slate because this is all just a toy commercial right exactly because that's how Hasbro sees these things. Mm-hmm. But this movie, like, they went and had the guts to actually treat these characters like they're real and or, or serious characters and actually give them all good deaths if you're going to have to kill them. At least, mm-hmm. you know, you give them good deaths. So, yeah, this movie takes itself seriously enough, even with all the goofiness in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least, especially in this first half, though, it takes itself so stinking seriously that I can't help but be, appreciate it. What's your second like? Uh, mine ties in with exactly what you're talking about. The um, the boldness to actually kill off all these characters. Now, granted, like you said, Hasbro was just like, these are products. We need to move them. And uh, why not just send them off in a nice blaze of death in the movie? And uh, the, the, the way they execute it, I, I was just looking this up on, uh, where am I looking this up at? Screen Rant. And the, the one that got me, the one that always got me, how brutal and how mm-hmm. like surreal this is, be it like Prowl's death on the uh, the shuttle, be it like it's literally like his like the the smoke coming out of his like everything. It's just like it's so vicious, visceral. Just characters dying on screen. Just is like it's or uh, who's who's death? I think that's uh. Give me a second. Uh, Iron Hides, Iron Hides death. It's literally like, you know, what heroic nonsense. It's just like candy, just boom. Mm-hmm. It's like, jeez. I remember watching the kid is like, oh my gosh, he killed all these characters off. And then he just keeps coming and coming and coming. It's the, again, they're trying to sell toys, but it's just like, jeez, this was in theaters. I think I would have had to go to therapy for that. And I think some kids did. Uh, but and they thought it being PG, they thought they needed the curse word to make it PG. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like it, it'd be like, oh my gosh, it, it's it was so mind bending. How like um, what did I use? Uh, how bold they you know had you know to every character had a very interesting death. But like even characters be like who just got dragged in by RC. It's like oh jeez, like they're killing a lot of characters off. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it's like yeah, it's it's a bold move because they wouldn't do that at all nowadays because they know better. But it was it was so much of a good I'd be like that's bold and daring as creators to do that, like understanding their motivation. But 
from retrospect, it's like, geez, that's good. That's good writing in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So yes, bravo pro, you know, for Hasbro for killing off characters on screen and not, oh, they all died. How? No, we see a character mm-hmm. blown, disintegrated by a big, massive arm cannon from Megatron. Yeah. Props. So yeah, that's my like. That's my second like. My second like for this, uh, that theme song, dude. Oh, thump, 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 thump. I, yes, it is the Transformers theme song mm-hmm. extended. Lion. Yeah, Lion. By, uh, by Lion. It's, it is almost actually an entirely original song that just happens to cram in the original theme song for like five sec for in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. And so 80s, 80s music beyond. Oh, more. yeah. But it is such a this, this is a great song just to listen to in the car mm-hmm. on your way somewhere. Agreed. Uh, it's just a cool, fun theme song. Uh, it's one of the better. Uh, it, it, it's OK. So there's like I can think of like three or four different movies mm-hmm. that had the flying through space with the credits kind of flying at you thing. Yes. I think they're mainly two. This one and Superman the movie. Mm. And probably Superman 2. Yes. Probably. Uh, and I'm sorry, as much as I like uh, the the Superman theme song mm-hmm. with uh, that... Uh, John Williams? John Williams, thank you, that John Williams made. The This is a whole lot better version. It's just so rocking to go through the as you're flying through all these big impressive names you're going these people are in this movie they're never showing up on the tv show except for the guy who played blur mm. uh but yeah uh it was it's just so cool especially when you're in there and they're acting next to these people who played these char- uh, these other characters mm-hmm. for years that some they're getting rid of some they're not uh I'll talk more about some of the casting choices later on, but yeah, uh, I, I just, I just love that opening sequence. That opening theme song is just, mm, that's such a fun, Agreed. fun, good 80s song. Agreed. What's your uh, third? Like my third, like in this film would actually be Orson Welles performance. Like the fact that like the, the man was on, like was literally on his deathbed. Yes. Literally goes in and does his film. He be like, he liked, he liked the script. And like he was, he was actually excited about doing the film and like the, everything the engineers had to do in order to salvage his performance. Mm-hmm. Cause he was just raspy and just like such like at one point they like, he, he was speaking so low at this kind of stuff. They literally had to like tick up everything like 5% and actually hear him make it be like, yeah, they, they literally had to make him robotic to make him, you know, making you know his his lines heard mm-hmm. and to make him literally a robot and uh, i just i, I love this performance and once i realized but like as a kid it's like okay that's an interesting voice and um and then you realize well oh it's orson wells oh he died like five days later after perform this performance and uh, i think he he told his biographer and it's like yeah remember i did that thing where i'd be like it's like yeah be like i played a, a robot that ate things and the yada, didn't yada, yada. quite remember at didn't that quite anything be like thought it was weird and it's like yeah this is his last performance and it's like just the the iconic performance of orson wells as unicron and uh and definitely be like towards him be like it's like i am infinity 
shooting someone like getting blows mm-hmm. up. But uh, it's like, yeah, that's just such an iconic moment, iconic, you know, voice to voice a, uh, a villain. And, you know, get Orson Welles to do it. And, um, yeah, I, I thought it was very, it was like, wow, you got Orson Welles to do this. Mm-hmm. And it was his last performance ever. Job. Kudos. Yeah, so it's Orson Welles. It's my third. My third like for this is the comedy. This is bad comedy. But it's so good. Oh, I agree. I agree. As much as it takes itself seriously, like I said, oh, yeah. when it makes sense to be comedic, it does it, and it does it well. There's some elements where maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of them where it is actually really, really good. Agreed. Pretty much anything with the Dinobots is, well, it's decent. Mm-hmm. It's not great, but it's it's decent. I mean, all the stuff with uh, all the stuff with Blur was funny to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Starscream's death scene is perfect. It is hilarious. Oh yeah, and great. Oh, isn't his coronation up to that point is great too? Yeah, where he's, they're play, they keep playing these horns mm-hmm. that's interrupting him getting the crown. Uh huh. Uh, he just destroys the horns. And, and, and even the part before that where he's uh, where, where they're letting out the dead weight so the yeah. Astrotrain can make it back to Cybertron. Oh. He pays me to do this. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, y'all had a fun time doing this oh, yeah. in there. I can tell. So I, I wanted to chime in when you, when you said that about the Dinobots. So in the original Dinobots, be like... Um, Grimlock was played more like like serious in season two. Be like he wasn't really a comedic character. Yeah. In the movie, they made him more comedic and a little less intelligent. And so moving forward, he was always you know a bit more comedic and a little less intelligent. But in season two, when he met up, it's like yeah, he didn't mess with Dinobot. <laughs> you still don't mess with him. No, exactly. But but he have fun. Yes, he has fun. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Me, me, Grimlock, love hearing Cup stories. <laughs> Tell me about the whatever the thing was. Yeah, whatever that is. The the, the, the petroleum uh, aliens or whatever. Patro- the petroleans. That's what they called them. The petroleans. Petroleans. Go figure. <laughs> I was like, it was okay, the so the, the, those are gas powered. Then I take it. Yes. <laughs> Not electrically powered. Well, energonically powered. Energonically powered. But yeah, still kind of yeah. gasoline. So yeah, the comedy in this is definitely my third like cuz it's just there's by the time you get to Optimus's death. Mm. The movie is so down at that point. Oh, the rest yeah. of it being kind of you're coming back up mm-hmm. like the rest of the film yeah. to the fun level. So the point where you finally get that fight against Unicron. Yeah. You have no idea if our characters are going to win going into this because it's a big freaking robot and uh, they're they're so small that they crash into his eye mm-hmm. and they're having to run around inside him. And Hot Rod, of course, gets lost again. Of course. More opinions on Hot Rod in a minute. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just even in those moments, it's like when they have a good point for comedy, they do. And I appreciate uh, agreed. that. So what's your first dislike? My first dislike is there again. I love the animation. But there's so many errors in this movie, like so many animation errors. But like I think Drew said at one point uh, during our last review, during our last mm-hmm. review, uh, if you want to go back and listen to that from season one, go ahead. Yeah, that's actually by that point, our audio quality was normal. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's a little fuzzy here and there, but it's 
Well, I would, I would take that back. Be like our audio. I think our audio is so much better than it was. It is. It is now. At the time, that was when it stabilized. Yeah, it did stabilize. Do we? Do we? Because at that point, I I switched to old Bessie. Yes, that is true. Uh, and that and having that same setup over and over again because I pretty much I almost never disconnected anything, even though I was moving everything mm. over to your apartment. Yes, it just kind of stayed regular. Now it's doesn't even move. That is but true. Anyway, but. Um, so I remember because I was I was re-listening to the episode to do this review, which is listening to your own self five years ago is weird. Um, so you mentioned at one point, I remember too, because um, in the twentieth anniversary, in the twenty twentieth anniversary, there's actually a frame that's out of sync at one point. Yeah, and there's so many animation errors for this. It's, it's like that thing. in the it's like that in the thirty fifth also. Oh yeah, okay. Didn't it's just part that. of the film. Yeah, that's true. It was messed up in the when they did it. Yeah. So yeah, it's not like the Swamp Princess where the frame literally drops out of frame. Yeah. No. And, this and is you see the light board. This is like they threw in an extra frame where it wasn't supposed to be, uh, and it's during the Sharkticons. Oh, it's, it's during the attack of the Sharkticons. Yeah. When, or when when Cup and uh, Hot Rod are getting attacked by the Sharkticons. Yes. Right before the blunder scene. Ah. So the the scene I think of also is the scene where um, it's not Spike's son. What's his name? Uh, Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel's I trying. Want, Daniel's, I wanted to say Brandon, but that's not it. No. Uh, Daniel's trying to close the hatch on the uh, the uh, incinerator. Let's just call it there. Yeah. Or whatever the the lava, whatever it's called. Yes. Because you see all these Autobots. The digestive from, juices. There we go. That's just be like you you see these Autobots come across the railing. And like they're supposed to fall in, but they just disappear. Yeah, <laughs> completely. Like you see, frame, 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 boop, disappear. Frame, 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 disappear. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what happened? Because you get this great shot where one of them actually falls in, and you just see them melt. Now, like that's frightening, but amazing. But eight frames before that, character comes up, disappears, and like they're again when they're in uh, Unicron's head. In his body, oh my gosh, so many little errors everywhere. Now, Graham, mm-hmm. it's hand-drawn animation. You're going to make errors. Yeah, and it's classic cell camera techniques, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. So some physical person had to load each one of those pic- mm-hmm. pictures into the camera, and it's possible, it's very easy oh, yeah. for them to put the wrong one in, have it upside down. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you know how it is when you're yeah. getting in a hurry on stuff? Yeah, been there. Crap happens. Been there. But uh, yeah, it's just like it's you have your classic animation errors throughout this entire film, and I think it's what makes it a classic because, like, there again, things aren't perfect, and they're gonna have errors mm-hmm. and flaws, and uh, it, like it even, does kind of show there was not a lot of QA on this. No, there wasn't. Like even modern, like modern 2024 films are gonna have animation errors. Yeah. So yeah, it just continues that line of be like humans creating things. It's when, not gonna be perfect. No. Even AI, when they do things, it's so messed up. But, yeah. Yeah, just the, the animation errors. I thought it was very unique. What's your first dislike? My first dislike for this film, and I know this was just a thing they felt they always had to do, but the Witwickies. I know Spike was in the first two seasons. Yes. You got Daniel here, and it makes sense that, you know, you have a new crew, you have a new human. Mm-hmm. If you're... Because that's just what they did at the time to give 
give the kids somebody that they can relate to relate to. I understand. That's the point. Mm. The problem is I don't think I ever needed kids in these shows when I was growing up. Mm. And the kid here is more annoying to me than anything else. I mean, he's no, ain't, uh, Portho is it Portho in He Man? Ortho, Orco, Orco. Sorry, Orco. I think was a better character than this kid. These this kid was. Granted, he uh, they do have a lot of good. He does have a lot of good chemistry with Hot Rod, and mm-hmm. so that would be good going forward. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm watching this kid learning how to use his father's exosuit for the first time, and going, it can't be that hard. To figure that out, if it's off thoughts, mm. you know. And granted, yeah. I'm not doing it, so how yeah. do I know? Yeah. But it's like I don't. This is not an important scene, guys. I don't need to see him struggle with this. You could have him jump in the thing and drive off if you want to, and I will not care. You could have left him on Earth. Please have left him on Earth. Autobot City is not the only human city on Earth in 2005, even in this continuity. I bet you. But. I digress. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just don't like the use of the kid. I gotcha. So, yeah, that's, and I know that's just a thing from this time period Fair. that that's what they did in all these shows. And it's not like other Transformers movie shows didn't have the kid mm-hmm. for people to relate to. Yeah. Bear in mind, that's every I show, started then. with Beast Wars. There were no humans in Beast Wars. They hadn't true. evolved yet. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Spike, uh huh. Spike, not Spike, but uh, Daniel. Daniel Witwicky is my dislike for this. Mm. And it has nothing to do with his father's eventual recasting. Mm. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, my, second, my, hmm. my second dislike in this film is the weak second half of this film. Because once the Autobots, they separate, they crash plan in their plants. Like, yes, you get little bits of information here and there. But to me, it's more like, okay, let's pad the time of this film. Let's have our characters separate because it makes it interesting. But Cup and, uh, yeah, Cup and Hot Rod land on this planet. Literally nothing happens. Be like, yeah, they, they you find. Uh, they do find out about Unicron They there. do find out about Unicron. I agree. Be like, yeah, they could. I, I, it's interesting, but at the same time, there's so much, just a little bit of. We're trying to fill time with a story here. And it'd be like, that's basically all my little gripe about it. It's just, it seems like the second act, there's, it's just more padding for the film. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you learn a little bit here and there, but you learned a different way. And, uh, oh, heck, they, they, they could learn. Oh, but like, oh, uh, anyways, I'm not a writer, nor I'm an artist, but, um, it's like, yeah, the second act seems a little bit weak here and there, like definitely story-wise, and it's a little clunky here and there. The third act is a, li- you know, it's a little bit better, but uh, yeah, this movie kind of suffers with a second act, third act, kind of a little bit of wibbly-wobbly here and there, but it's like, it's okay. It's just, you, you see that as a reviewer, and it's just like, eh, okay. So it's my second dislike. My second dislike on this... You're going to be a little surprised by this. Really? So we've got a lot of music in this movie, a lot of licensed music. Yes. Only like one song was written 
specifically for this one. Yes. Outside of, you know, the comp- composed compositions. Yeah. But, I mean, lyrical songs, only one was written, and that was the Transformers theme, mm-hmm. our movie theme. Uh, the touch, for the most part, perfect. Enjoy it. Uh, it's great for this film. Mm. Uh, Question. What was the song? What was the touch originally? Uh, movie. I don't know. Cobra. It was from a movie called Cobra by Steven uh, Sylvester Stallone. Oh, never made the film, and they put it in Transformers. There you go. Uh, so yeah, I, I that that's a good song. Uh, a couple of the other songs, not quite so memorable, but they feel like the time. Uh, the only one that really does not fit where they put it is the one where Cup and uh, Hot Rod are waking up underwater in that scene. And it's like, y'all could turn this music down. It really doesn't fit this scene. Agree. But that's not really the one that really bugs me the most. Okay. And like I said, you're going to be surprised. Hmm. Dare to be stupid. That's what I thought. Which is shocking because you love... I like Weird Al. The song is good. Do not get me wrong. And it kind of fits with the Junkions because they're kind of stupid characters. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the lyrics do not fit here at all. Every other song in this, I mean, it kind of works. But you look at Weird Al's lyrics. They were not meant to be serious lyrics. They're talking about... You know, the stupid things that we would do. And it kind of actually, I will say, it does kind of fit with what the Junkions are doing since they're talking television. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the Dare to be Stupid song is made up of like sayings from commercials. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, uh, you better squeeze all the Charmin you can when Mr. Whipple's not around, referring to the old Charmin commercials where people were squeezing the toilet paper. And Mr. Whipple would come up and say, please don't squeeze the Charmin. Yeah, that was the thing, folks. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's that's one of the lines in there, and a lot of and the other things in there are like that. But it's it kind of works, it kind of doesn't, and mm. it stands out. Fair. It's not while, while things like the touch stand out and uh, transform the Transformers theme, of course, stand out. Those make sense why they do. They stand up because they're good songs. Yes. That and they're well, well, very well edited into this film. And "Dare to Be Stupid" is not necessarily a bad song, and it does kind of, mm. kind of make sense. But also, this is not the kind of movie a Weird Al song really should be appearing in. Fair. I guess is really what it comes down to. It works. And it doesn't work. And I think it just stands out and, and badly for me in this. So. Fair. What's your third dislike? Uh, there again, this is a nitpick. Like, talking nitpick. Because I think we mentioned in the our previous review of this movie, logic be darned. Oh, yes. Movie. So the, the scene in question is so when the Decepticons attack the shuttle going to Earth, they're in space blow a hole inside the, the shuttle and knowing physics and knowing grab or there's no gravity in space, but you talk about actually if, there is gravity, there is, but not the kind, not, not what you're thinking. Yeah. Not, not the kind of, it's not, it's zero. It's not gravity. like, it's not like dropping in. There is gravity and it's holding everything mm-hmm. together, but uh, relative to, uh, to, to, to what we're used to, mm-hmm. it is weak. Yeah. Agree. So, and, and anyway, sorry. Yeah. So if you were taking 
logic in uh oh what did i have i just uh physics into example be like they blew a hole in the side of this shuttle everybody should have been sucked out of that shuttle <laughs> they weren't it's cartoon logic but i mean like there's there's different scenes here and there where a character it's like how the world can these characters fly in you know car mode and this and this and this and be like, they're going to, it's cartoon logic. Mm-hmm. Be like, you have to go with it. But at the same time, it's like these characters should have been sucked out of that shuttle instead of everybody just standing still. They're not wearing gravity boots or nothing, but uh, there again, it's a how cartoon. Do you know, how do you know there's not magnets in their feet? Who knows their metal? I don't but know. at the same time, I, well, I could rationalize that all the way. It's like, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of stuff in here. You really can't rationalize. I still want to know where Optimus Prime's trailer goes when he transforms. Yeah. There's theories of that. He goes into zero space. That's where it goes. Yeah, exactly. Hammer space. Da, 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 da. Anyway. <laughs> uh, can't truck this. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so, yeah, just like the, the little in, in, illogical things that happen throughout the film. Uh, there again, you just chalk up the cartoon, you know, cartoon logic or animation logic. And uh, it's a cartoon character. It can do anything, right? Yeah. But when you're dealing with, like, it's these really big subject matters and, like, all these characters' deaths and be, like, you know, just logic goes out the window. <laughs> kind of moments. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, weird. Okay. Third dislike. What's yours? My third dislike for this... Like, I, mm, what's the point of the Sharktagons? What's the point of that kangaroo core? What's going on in that entire scene? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're sitting there going, Introducing has, characters, has, the mag- has the magistrate reached a verdict? We have. Guilty or innocent? Innocent. What happens if they're guilty? <laughs> Do you let them go? Or do you drop him in the Sharktacon tank, too? Mm-hmm. What's going on? It's weird squid Cthulhu-esque robot hybrid? True. That's the other thing. There are a grand total in this film three non-fully robotic characters. Spike, Daniel, and Weird Octopus Dude. <laughs> Cthulhu Cyborg Dude. Whatever his name is. The quintessent judge. No, that's the judge. The other dude. Either way. Yeah. What the crap? <laughs> I understand you want aliens. And, but why, well, why is a cyborg octopus? And why is he the only other biological, semi-biological life form in this film? Even the fish in this movie. Well, robotic. Not not the ones on Earth, but the fish in the on that planet with the Sharktacons yeah. are robotic. It's like Dr. Robotnik, did you go a bit crazy here? Like always. That's what it is. The Quintessent planet is actually the planet Mobius where Sonic failed to defeat Dr. Robotnik. Funny funny point. So, that is my fan theory. So the Quintessence in the original show. Going into season three, in the original canon, quintessence were the ones who created the Autobots and the Decepticons. Okay, then. At least it made sense that somebody made them. Yeah. But still, 
what is going on? It, that scene makes no sense. Mm-hmm. It's and of course this is the one with the obvious animation flaw in it. I mean the obvious animation flaw, uh, where <coughs> like it's the only reason I didn't see it on my version because here's a fun fact. I did watch the 4K ultra high definition, or I tried. <laughs> Tell me this. I tried. Yes. And it's not that the thing was bad, but I'm convinced that the 4K Blu-ray player I have, something's wrong with it. Cause, or it just couldn't stand when things were, there's like too much changing on screen at one time. I don't know what, but it's like I had to stop the th- film, take out the 4K Blu-ray, put in the, regular blu-ray which was the tv version and watch that version to finish the movie and that's just kind of annoying uh but yeah uh i guess what it comes down to is the weird cartoon logic it had to have inherited somewhat from the show and remind me this is technically based on a japanese toy Yes. Originally, yeah, Takara that they readapted, yeah, and oh, then they adapted and made, they made bought transform. the toys off of Japan, mm-hmm. off the Japanese company, and redid everything. Yes, and then had Toei animate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my third dislike for this is the weird logic it inherited from its source material. Mm-hmm. Uh, you. Were since you went back and listened to the show to the our original episode, yes, have our scores that we originally rated this. Yes, do we want to say them now or wait till after we have actually rated this again? Uh, let's wait till after. Okay, what are you rating the film then? I want to say here yours first. I'm giving this film an eight. It's just a fun film to Fair. watch. As much as I complain about these other little weird things, uh huh. I don't care about it in the in the in the midst of watching it because it's like this is just a fun movie that makes me feel like a twelve year old. Yeah, agreed. It doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It, it, it can we can have just fun movies. Yeah, and this is still far 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 better than any of the Bay former films. <laughs> You're not kidding. What are you rating it? Uh, I'm actually gonna give it a nine uh, because they're gonna, like like I said in the first review, like so actually going back and hearing yourself is a little bit weird. Uh, so the nostalgia is so ingrained in me, uh, from my childhood and, uh, like the, the story is clunky. The animations clunky here or there, but it's such a fun ride. Like you said, the inner child and you comes out, you're just sitting there just eating popcorn or, uh, candy or, uh, cere- like a bowl of cereal drinking on a, like a, um, like a Fanta or something like that. Um, I can't, I can't a bowl think. of cereal. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just something came up. I don't know. Stuff you did as a kid, right? You snuck orange soda to eat with breakfast because you were probably out of orange juice. Yeah. Or Coca-Cola might be his. No, no, no. I would have had orange soda because it's morning. Not true. Not true. Anyways. So it'd be like, it, it draws if you back. If had any. Yeah. It draws you back into your childhood. And uh, now granted be like people that I, people that like, Younger people I know would be like, I have no idea what this is. Well, go give it a shot. Go, go enjoy something that was there before your child, before you were born. And, uh, I got to tell you a story later, but we'll get that later, get that later. So 
this was a fun ride. I'm giving it a nine. What now going back? I have no idea what yeah, I rated what? this. Yeah. I know it's in, uh, in, like in the upper half because, yes. but what do you think it was? <sighs> I'm going to guess I had it the same 8.5. Nope. You gave it a seven. Oh, okay. I, gave I, it a I seven. actually, I can actually see this because I had the theory at that time, and I kind of still do, that there's nothing wrong. A seven is not a yeah. bad film. Mm -hmm. It's just a, it's an okay film. It's good. It's decent. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with a seven film. Yes. Agreed. Yes. But I'm apparently, after having seen so many other things, I'm apparently more of a softie now and give it an 8.5. Yeah. I've seen the bad. I've seen bad movie month. I've seen Leo the lion. I know how bad it can get. This oh is gold in comparison. God, you're not kidding. Yeah. I gave it a seven as well. Uh, kind of pointing out the little nitpicks here and there, but be like, if you just let the movie go and just let the visuals just flow over you and just have fun with it. Now, great. If you have more context, contextual, uh, contact with the original show, be like, it's going to be a little more enjoyable and maybe a little more heartbreaking. Uh, for like me as a, when mm -hmm. I was a kid, um, cause oh my gosh, Optimus death is like, oh my gosh, they killed him. Or, uh, the, the one like hot, like hot rod, not hot rod, but, uh, iron hides death mm -hmm. and all these other, you know, other characters. And it's like, oh my gosh, rip my little heart out. But, uh, as an adult, it's just like, wow, that's incredible. So yeah, my, mine went from a seven to a nine. It actually went up. So I, I can't wait for the our next rewind, whatever that is. Uh, that's Anastasia. Oh, that's gonna be fun. Yeah, <laughs> this is the first. That's the first film we disagreed on. Oh, yes, yes. So, what is the next film we're reviewing? Next film we are reviewing is. A little movie from last year. Yes. The Super Mario Brothers movie. Let's go. Oh, and literally this got put on the list. Like it was like the first thing I put on the list mm -hmm. back when I was still. I, this movie was on the list for this year before we had Christmas figured out. Yeah. <laughs> Give you an idea as how long this one's been on the list. Yes. Uh, we, I, I, it was like the earliest I could get it on mm -hmm. at the time. So, yeah, we are doing the Super Mario Brothers movie next week. Mm -hmm. Join us for that. Uh, but in the meantime. So I, I want to tell our audience something really okay, quick, really quick. So we, we have um, we have that movie. We have another film coming up. So three weeks from now, let's say we're going to do something a little controversial. A little bit different. And we may even have a guest on that we one. We may have a, this one. So stay tuned because it's one of these films that you can't find anywhere. This was a film we decided year one. Uh-huh. Actually, pre-Frozen. Uh-huh. This is how long ago we've talked about this. Yes. A movie we would need to do because, and I quote... If you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Yes. No matter how much Disney wants to... You forget Whitewash it. Just to just black <laughs> to blacklist it. So if if you're not getting the hints of what we're playing, yeah. be like just comment in the section down below wherever. Keep you, an eye. Keep an eye out for a future yeah. episode. Yeah, that's all we're saying. Yeah, because be like this is gonna be a fun episode. Yeah. Again, I never saw the film. Let's just say March is going to be a little. 
dramatic between what we're doing to ourselves and what we'll watch literally the next week. After yeah. that. Oh my gosh. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know about a cat in Paris. Oh but my gosh. Super Mario right. Brothers movie oh, might that's be the be a boom, then boom. That my <laughs> Super Mario Brothers movie might be the happiest thing we'll review for a month. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Oh crap! This is going to be interesting. So, but anyway, yeah. join us Orange next week. Be- join us in the coming weeks for that. In the meantime, join us on the other side of these bumpers, and we will get to talking about what we've been watching, the news, and emotional damage. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the culture box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out Stunning and Brave. Each week, host Chris Cowan and Nate Henderson confess their privilege, spotlighting stunning social media posts and fabricate outrage, all while keeping you super woke and enlightened. They will make you laugh. That's right. You have no choice. Check out Stunning and Brave at stunningandbrave.net. The Soulcast would also like to thank the following patrons. Ashley and Francisco Ruiz. Thanks, Roy. Book of Gaming. PaulJPowers.com. And Edwin Gonzalez. If you would like to donate to us on Patreon, you can get some uh, special art from Jacob. Uncut episodes. Early releases of our thoughts on X-Men 97 here in the next couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Plus, for $10, you can make us watch something within reason. Yeah, within reason. So, yeah, go to Patreon and donate there for any of those perks. Or go buy merch. We have merch? <laughs> yes, we have merch. I say that because while the Redbubble link store is in the con- is, is in our show notes... Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's ever bought anything. But we got to promote it anyway. We do need to be promoting it more often. And make more stuff. Yeah, right now we have a logo shirt. Yes. But that's, so if you yeah. want to go buy a logo shirt, yeah, go, go buy, buy a, a logo, logo shirt, shirt, please. please. Or, or a sticker or whatever. Yes, please give us money. We like money. <laughs> anyway, Jacob, I have a question for you. Mm. What have you been watching? What have I been watching? So... Let's um, start with the big one. No, let's not start with the big one. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll hold the big one till after mine. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, I started, I watched a few documentaries this week. Uh, I watched one that it was on my Netflix feed. I was like, Ooh, this sounds interesting. It's the, uh, the, the greatest night of pop. It's on Netflix. It is the creation of the war, the, the song. We are the world that came out in the 1980s. And uh, it's a documentary on how this song came about. Because if you don't know, because this was 1986, I believe, mm-hmm. same year as our, our feature film came out, uh, there was a famine going on in Africa. And there was a lot of people who were concerned about it, didn't know what to do about it. So you had the great late Quincy Jones, who was a uh, producer back in the day, who was a producer of Michael Jackson and the whole bit. Granted, this was the 80s, people. So, like him, Michael Jackson, um, and a bunch of other people were trying to figure out what they could do. And they started 
be like, we need to get these people and these people and these people. So for one night, for one night after the AMAs, the American Music Awards, came out, uh, Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie was also involved. If you don't know who Lionel Richie is, go look his music up. He's pretty good. Uh, so big uh, Jackson, Lionel, and uh, I think it was one other person wrote We Are the World. And then got all this big talent from the, like who were a part of the AMAs at the at that night to come over to a studio at ten o'clock in the ten o'clock at night to record and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse this song because they recorded it in one night. Not this isn't the two thousands people. This is nineteen eighties mm-hmm. where everything had to be laid down on tape. And you couldn't record it from like, you know, remotely. This isn't, you know, pandemic error. Be like, you had to be in a studio. And this is a bunch of the big stars from the 1980s where like you have all these big egos. Be like Prince was, you know, the artist at Prince. Formerly known as Prince. Yeah. At the time he was Prince. Was supposed to show up. He never did. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe some rival Michael Jackson. I don't uh, there, there was one point where they're they're trying to figure out the song, and then um, like oh, I can't remember, um, but uh, you had like Grace, like uh, Willie Nelson was there, and uh, Kenny Rogers, and uh, at one point, uh, oh, I can't remember his name, but be like you had a guy like a big country artist, I can't remember his name, uh, I'll think of it in a second, but he actually leaves in the middle of the rehearsal because like, oh, but whoever, but like all of these are great, great moments you have where um, Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles be like, they're talking and they're like, hey man, I've got to go to the bathroom. So literally, uh, I think it's like Ray Charles like uh, leads Stevie Wonder out of the room. It was great. Like it was so good. But like they literally, they literally did everything from ten thirty at night to about five six o'clock in the morning. This all done in one night. I thought it was brilliant, <laughs> but it was just like, what in the world? Because there's 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 one scene where it's uh, Dissy Lawler. Can't remember because I never listened to her music. Cindy Lauper, Cindy Lauper. Thank you. Cindy Lauper, big name in the eighties. So apparently they're doing their, um, their, um, their separate solo recordings for the song. And uh, like everybody's getting it. And there's points where people are a little bit, a little intoxicated here and there. So Cindy Lauper, she goes into her big thing. And it's this whole thing because they keep hearing all these different sounds. It sounds like people are laughing. So it's like she's getting upset. People are getting upset. They're like, wait a minute. It's your jewelry. Take all these bangles off. Because <laughs> every time she would move, it would jingle. And it would sound like people were laughing. <laughs> so it was great. I thought it was a great, I thought it was a great time. I was like, huh. So definitely go watch that if you want to find out more about this really big hit song that came out in the 80s. So another one I started watching post-show. Uh, I watched it before, but it's good. Uh, Attack on Pearl Harbor, moment by moment, it's on Netflix. So, yeah, go that, go that because knowing history is not the battle. And if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Right. So, we watch something later. Hang so, on, we'll get to that. I know, I know. I'm going to let you go into yours. What did you have you watched? Besides so, what we watched in theaters. Right, right, right. Uh, I have finally finished season one of Star Trek, the original series. Really? 
Uh, yeah, and I will say there is one or two episodes in here I don't think I ever saw. Really? So I can now say for certain I have finished the first season of Star Trek, the original series. Huh. Uh, yeah, so the last episode I watched, I watched it today, was uh, Operation Annihilate. Operation Annihilate. Yes. It's one of only two episodes in all of Star Trek that has an exclamation mark in it. Hmm. The other one being a Voyager episode called Bride of Chaotica, which is literally a send-up to old, uh, like, Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon-style oh, sci-fi okay. shows. Gotcha. But this one, uh, Kirk and oh, the, the, the ship is heading to uh, this mm. planet, uh, and that they have noted that there is a series of planets in a row that every... some. The, the civilizations on these planets uh, went horribly insane and then disappeared. Hmm. And the last one was two years ago, and the next one that's probably coming up is a Federation colony. And uh, living on said Federation colony is one Samuel Kirk. Hmm. Jim's brother. Oh, okay. Now, here's the fun part of this. Hmm. Uh, we don't ever actually get to see Jim Kirk act. Ain't Jim Kirk. Uh, Sam Kirk have an acting role because he's dead by the time we get there. Spoiler alert. Oh. But they needed someone to play his dead body. Okay. Do you know what they did? Did they? William Shatner played his brother. <laughs> but they put a mustache on him. <laughs> and you're look, I'm looking at going, oh, that's painfully obvious that that's what that is. That's, that's... Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> with a mustache. With a, with a fake mustache. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah. It's actually a, a spooky episode. As goofy as I'm talking about, it's it's almost like an invasion of the body snatcher story, really? but very, but but not, well, I, will, I, I don't want to say not goofy because this is still original series mm. Star Trek. There is just yes. an inherent level of the goofiness there, but it's literally like a horror episode. Really? Because... Uh, what happens is, is these, uh, it's like alien, actually, to some degree. Mm -hmm. These parasites uh, will attach themselves to you with a stinger. And if they do, they, they, uh, their DNA, because it's actually one big one cell organism, yeah. their DNA will interject itself into you and wrap itself around your uh, uh, nervous system and rack you with pain until you do what it tells you to do. Ow. Yeah. Ouch. Talk about horror. Mm -hmm. And that's why it drives everyone insane because. They're literally racked with pain for a lot for like twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Wow, that's driving anyone insane. Yeah. Also, it's one of the few times we actually got a curse word in the original series. Really? Yeah. In the freaking sixties. Yes. What is Sir with McCoy? States that blankety blank Vulcan logic. Oh, okay. <laughs> Obviously not blankety blank, but yes. you can kind of make the connection. Yeah. It's bones. What do you expect he's going to say? This is one of those few instances where bones lets the, uh, the mask slip in his irritation of Spock. You know, it's just barely there to begin with, mm -hmm. but he will not show it around Spock himself because yeah. that doesn't work. No. And I don't want to give anything away because this is actually a good episode, but there is a point at the end of the episode where you, they actually, the not the writers or the people who made it, but the characters yeah. made a pretty bad mistake that was going to result in like 
a change in continuity. Really? If they had decided to let it stick. Hmm. And when that, well, I don't want to give it away, but let's just say Spock has a great line. <laughs> when um, McCoy, because it, it does deal with Spock, but McCoy says something to the effect of, please do not tell him that I said that he was the best first officer in the fleet. And Spock turns around and says, why, thank you, Doctor. I appreciate the compliment or something to that effect. And Kirk turns around and says, you were so worried about his Vulcan eyes, you forgot about his Vulcan ears. <laughs> Darn it, Jim. Uh, it's a great episode. It's it's a good one to go out on. It's still scary as all get out, but it's it's a good sci-fi horror thing. Gotcha. In a 60s show that's obviously being filmed in California at a park mm-hmm. or at, at, a, at a college campus. Yes. UCLA to be specific. Really? Yeah. So I watched that. Uh, I watched a couple episodes of some anime, mm. one called uh, The Wrong Way to Use Healing Magic. Mm. Isekai? Yeah, actually, it is the Isekai. Mm. You can tell because of the long name. But uh, yeah, this kid has healing magic when he comes to this world. And instead of his friends who got pampered, who, who only had like, light mat uh, lightning magic and whatever the other one was i don't mm-hmm. remember or light magic one had lightning the other had light our character has healing they all his friends got pampered pretty much yeah trained obviously to fight yeah and use their magic because they all got to go fight the dark lord at some time our hero gets put through basic training basically oh no actually let's be more specific do you remember how piccolo trained gohan at the age of four. Oh, yeah. Dragon brutally. Z. Brutally, yes. Same methods. Oh, crap. <laughs> and to some degree, this kid gets a um, gets a bit of Stockholm Syndrome in a way. Because mm-hmm. he starts liking the people who are pretty much doing this to him. Oh, wow. I mean, they have their they have his best. They they have his uh, best you know will at heart. What's the word? I'm intentions. For? Best yeah, their best intentions. They, they they literally know they have to do this if he's going to survive because he's got healing magic. Mm-hmm. The way the, the the what they're calling the wrong way to use healing magic is not necessarily the wrong way. It's just not what most people will do. They train him to work his body so hard that he naturally heals himself and then keeps going. Oh, literally, the Saiyan training. Whatever doesn't kill you it makes you makes stronger. you stronger. Wow. I was sitting there watching going, you have some reading material to do. When a Saiyan gets killed, nearly gets killed, they come out at twice their power level. (laughs) That's just bloody, that's just bloody cheeky. Right in the dang kisser. I don't remember the whole line. (laughs) Dragon Ball Z abridged, folks. Anyway, I watched some of that. Uh... And of course the 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 movie for tonight and the, mm-hmm. the Evangelion that we're going to talk about here in a minute. Yes, the emotional damage. Yes, and then me and you Wednesday yes. drove into Tyler. Yes, to watch a film that we never expected to get to see in a theater. Exactly, we've already reviewed. We've it. already reviewed it. We, you could say we dilly dally shilly shallied. Yeah, just a little bit. We got to go watch Final Fantasy VII Seven Advent Seven Children, Children complete. complete. In theaters, Wednesday night, we saw the English dub mm-hmm. with all the quirks that oh, it has. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, 
the weird part about watching that is mm-hmm. tell me i know we talked about it yes it's weird how even the you can tell when you're listening to the original english dub mm-hmm. versus the new stuff because there's a quality difference there too just a little there's a quality difference in the rendering because the yes. technology changed in the four years between when they originally made the film and when they made the new scenes yes but at the same time all the the weirdness in the writing uh-huh and granted, the complete version fixes a lot of the original movie's weirdness with it the writing. Does. It's all worth it once you get to the kids at the monument. Mm-hmm. From that point of the film down to, I will never be a memory. memory. That whole oh, hour God. is one big Dragon Ball Z fight, basically. Except we got all the cast members from Final Fantasy VII. Yes. You got them fighting Bahamut Sin. That's the name of the monster. Okay. You got them, uh, and and that's a great fight. You've got them chasing our three villains in a motorcycle chase through right out of, right out of the game. Yeah. Uh, they fight in Midgar against our main, our, 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 against Kadaj, our Mm. quote unquote main villain. Yes. Only for him to have his reunion. I bet you're dying to watch. (laughs) Doom, doom. Good to see you, Cloud. Wow. It's like that was ah! <laughs> so good. And the thing is, I did some reading before this because even course. when we even when we reviewed this, certain methods of our review process have even changed since mm-hmm. season two. Yeah, and I did some reviewing. I'm fairly certain I didn't know about before. Yeah, the animation for this, and of course the team is, is all Square Enix, mm-hmm. but the animation team is Square Enix's cutscene team. Yeah, which they're very good at making cutscenes for video games. Yeah, especially at this time. But you're watching this, and once you recognize that this team is that's where th- this team's primary experience in mm-hmm. making videos is, yes. boy, can you tell? Because scenes just start like mid sentence, mm-hmm. not mid sentence, but mid thought. Yes, and it's like. Oh, we're, we're on this scene now. Uh, or we're on this thing. It's like, but it's like that you got great block. I, I especially love the scene where Reno and Rude are, are, are standing. This is in the original movie too. Yes. But they're st- they're on there waiting for Cloud and, and the three to, to pass them. And they're just sitting there talking. He's like, so uh, this bomb, uh, it's going to blow up real nice. It's, you know, best of Shinra material. Oh, so you made it. It's good, nice and shiny. You'll love it. <laughs> Reno and Rude are actually the brightest spots in the film. Oh, yeah. You're if not we kidding. re-reviewed this film, they would be a like. A yes. very big... They'd be first likes, like Reno and Rude, because Agreed. they have no reason to even be interesting characters in this, and yet they steal the show. Yes. Uh, but yeah, we. I, I'm kind of going off on that. We did actually see some... Uh, Behind the, Behind the scenes for the movie, previews for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, mm-hmm. and it's at this point for those of you listening live, you should know that tomorrow morning I'm going to be streaming Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate, the DLC starring Yuffie, uh, that I haven't watched played yet, and I'm going to do it tomorrow morning. In fact, tomorrow morning is starting off Saturday morning cartoons, basically. Nice. For uh, Cellcast Saturday morning. Or I don't have a name for it yet. Saturday, S- Selter Day? No. Selter Day? I don't know. I'm trying to think of, of cool names, yeah. but it's not Saturcade Adventures because that's Retro's name. Yes. 
for that block. But basically, I'm stealing his block since he's now using it for game uh, testing. Yeah. So, yeah. And then probably Rebirth right after that. So Nice. So I will be posting links in the discords and such, so keep an eye out for that. So Drew will be streaming all day. No, 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 no. Four hours. Four hours. Eight to noon. Okay. That's the plan. Okay. So we just just in that because I know we did a uh, a playthrough of we, Final Fantasy remake re- yes. remake the first half, and most of that I think is still available. Some of that did get lost in the ether, unfortunately. But it happens. Uh, and I, yeah, you, those. those uh, uh, the clips do pop up when I, we get shout outs every once in a while over at retro rewind podcast nice. or geek devotions. Nice. So, yeah. So we, we might be like drew plays while I make commentary about things that and it's like, Oh, that's cool. What the world's going on here? Yeah. If, if Jacob can make it, yeah, I'm going to do it. Whether Jacob's here or not, if he's here, great. We'll have conversations while things are going on. Yeah, exactly. Jacob may not know what's going on. Cause he and missed, drew happily explain he, missed it. he missed three, three chapters while I was going through it. Sure. It's only like a 40 hour game, yeah. but it happens either way. Join us for that coming up. What do we got in the news? The cell cast news with your host, Jacob Heron. I think you deal it. And we have the news is nothing. I couldn't find a thing. I, I am. I, really? I, I was drawing a complete, utterly. Blank. Really? This week you came up with nothing. Apparently I missed something. So what did I something miss? Something big. What did I miss? Some huge news involving a certain mouse company. Oh yeah. The merger. It's not a merger. I thought it was a merger. No, 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 no. Let me re let me, let me start. Let me start. Yeah. This. Let rewind. First that. off. First off. Disney Movie Club is dying. That's it's right. going away after yes. 30 years of being in existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most of the people who are on it, to my understanding, kind of saw this coming because there hadn't been any new releases come out on the thing in like a couple months. Yeah. So shame there. But more than likely, the reason that the that, that Disney Movie Club is going away is because Disney is outsourcing all of their home video production hmm. to Sony. To Sony. <laughs> I'm just weird. This is the realm of weird that we are in right now. But that does mean a couple interesting things. Uh, that means Spider-Man movies can probably be introduced with Marvel as a as a box set if they ever decided to. Mm-hmm. This means for the first time, at least in the distrib- distribution arm of things, since Jim Henson sold the Muppets to Disney. All the Muppet movies will at least be made in the same factory. That's true. And Drew's happy about that. I would like to see a collection of every movie on Blu-ray, please. <laughs> and he'll buy it. I will buy it. And then he'll force me to watch all of them. Dude, I you only have to watch <laughs> one, two, three <laughs> more movies of the Muppets. Fine. Uh-huh. And you've already seen one of them. Yes, four, four movies. Four. I'm sorry. Four. I forgot the one I know we're going to get Dallas for because I don't know why he wouldn't be on that one for us. This mm. is his favorite. Which one is that? Space. Muppets ah, from Space. Mm. The the one the one I really enjoyed of the Muppets was um 
Uh, Treasure Island. That is the next Muppet movie that we are doing. That's good. Movie. When we get to it. Yes. When we get there. Uh, but yeah, um, I didn't even think of that. That's that's a couple things. I mean, Sony has Star Wars basically now, oh. or at least they they're going to get a cut of it for at least for the distribution. Uh-huh. All eleven movies. I think Warner Brothers still technically owns the 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 home video rights for uh, Clone Wars and that movie. Yeah, I think I so. could be wrong. Don't quote me. Uh, but actually, I could very much be wrong because no, no, they haven't released another version of that since it went to Disney Plus, so we don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's the weird thing. Is like Disney is apparently. They're still willing to sell home video. They just don't want. They're just trying to get as much of much of their t- uh, skin out of that game as possible. Yeah, and still get money off of it. So, mm-hmm. and apparently Sony's willing to do the work, which makes me wonder what kind of deal must they have met with Sony? Mm. Spider Man. Well, Spider Man, yes, because we know the Spider Man stuff has been coming to Disney Plus, mm-hmm. but it does make me wonder if they made some other deal with, to get like the Sony stuff, maybe on Disney or Hulu. Maybe, maybe. maybe. I don't know. I'm guessing here. Of course, Hulu is eventually going away. Mm. But either way, really? yeah, that was kind of semi announced a couple of months ago. Didn't know that. Eventually, they're merging the two. Oh, so they're gonna have Die Hard on on Disney Plus. Deadpool one and two are on there. De- Daredevil, the Netflix Daredevil movies on- shows on there. True. It's not like it's out of the. It would be too out of the out of the. That's true. Strangeness, whatever the word is, I'm looking for alien films. Hey, that is your new Disney princess. <laughs> your queen, whatever. <laughs> I heard that, but that was so funny. Either way, uh-huh. I think that's all we've got in the news. So it's time for some emotional damage with some Evangelion. That's Stephen Hayne doing emotional damage and the Lost Four Kids opening of Evangelion by Eagle Eight Burger. <laughs> I don't know if I actually have to say that every time, but now it's tradition. <laughs> yes, it is. Until we go to a new season, a new season. Then I'll have to have something else there. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, all the other intros are belong to their respective owners. Yeah. Which actually don't know what that means about the Four Kids opening to One Piece. Yes. But anyway. Neon Genesis Evangelion, A Man's Battle, a.k.a. Interjection. Mm-hmm. Introjection. Introjection. Directed by Masayuki. Mm-hmm. No first name. Mm-hmm. Just Masayuki. Yes. Uh, written by Hideaki Anno and Akio Satsukawa. This is definitely a... 
This is not the Hideaki Anno no, episode. It's this, close. But his uh, fandom will definitely definitely show through in this one. Mm-hmm. In this episode, Shinji, furious at his father for the orders given in the previous battle, resigns from Nerve. But as the angel lay as Angel lays waste to the Geofront and the other Evangelions, he begins to reconsider his hasty decision. I, I like how you say it Nerve. I have to say it like Masato does in the Netflix dub, because it's Nerve. It's yeah. not nerve. It's nerve. nerve. It's like nerve. And I can't say it the way she does it. So I always say nerve. It's almost like a cat saying it. Nerve. Nerve. <laughs> we got to make sure of that. Yes. <laughs> Getting into the cast. We actually have a new cast member. Yes. In this episode. Because they recast Toji in the, AD, in the original ADV dub. This, these two episodes. It. Despite the fact he barely talks in this. Yes. But uh, Toji Suzuhara is voiced in this episode and technically the next episode by Michael O'Connor in mm. the ADV original dub. Mm. You wouldn't notice this because I think you're listening, you're watching the director's cut. Well, the director's cut are like, or the, the, the it's, it's the last four episodes are director's cut. Right. But I mean, they read the, the, uh, ADV redid the dub for the 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 collect the that that's version. Right. That's what they did. So, and they're awesome. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, Angel appearance in this one. We've got Zeruel. His design appears to be a direct reference to the monster Zaton from the series finale of the original Ultraman. Mm. And boy, can you tell if you've ever seen it? It's like. Not even subtle. Mm. But that being said, due to the way that Zeruel's arms are segmented into smaller sections, along with their appearance in general, they're often likened to toilet paper by fans. I'm not surprised. The black and white color pattern on Zeruel's front vaguely resembles a human face, seen from the left, with its core as the eye. Zeruel, also called Serviel, is in... Jewish mysticism Mm -hmm. is the angel set over strength and has been sent by God to help David slay Goliath. The name Zeruel literally means arm of God, which is probably not a coincidence. All things considered the version of fly me to the moon in this one is a, the trio of Masato and, uh, I know I said Anya. That is not her name. Not Anya. <laughs> not uh, that's, no no. That's, uh, that's a, that's Asuka and uh, Ayanami. Yes, Ray. Uh, they're singing this version ah. set to the normal orchestra. Mm. <laughs> now I'm just imagining Anya running around <laughs> Evangelion <laughs> in a giant peanut Evangelion. <laughs> you don't even remember why peanuts are a thing, do you? Hold on. Are we talking in, about in Spy Family? Oh, no, no, no. That's the only Anya I know. <laughs> Anya from... Spy Family. No. A movie we discussed earlier in this film. That's... There was not an Anya yes, in there... Transformers. No. We we mentioned a movie that the next Rewind movie. Oh, Anya Stasia? Is that yeah, what you're Anya saying? Stasia. <laughs> yeah, because her name is Anya. <laughs> I forgot her regular name throughout most of the film is Anya. Yes. Yeah, it's Anya. Either way. What are your thoughts on this episode? Uh, this is, oh my gosh. It's, 
I can't remember. Do they have to cut him out of the? They the eventually plug? have to cut him. Yeah, out. they eventually cut him out of the plug. But it's but just, that's not till after the next. Episode. That is true. That is true. Because this is the one where he gets. It goes berserk at the very end. Yes, this episode it's very it's very unique. It's where the like Shinji be like he's like oh my gosh this tragic thing has happened. I hate my father for this. I'm not gonna get out of it. I still have enough power in this thing to destroy everything. And they they flood him with ACL, and um, be like they get him out. Be like oh because you did these terrible things we're gonna kick you out of nerve and. Be like, he goes like, on. You he, can't kick me out. I quit. Yeah, I quit. He, he runs off and be like, he's dead serious about it. He's running away. He's running away. Run away like like run usual, away. it's Shinji. Except he's got more determination. It's not, oh, no one cares about he's, me. He's, it's not, like, he's not like he was in, what was that, episode four? Yeah. I mustn't run away. I mustn't run away. No, I'm he's running like, away because I hate my I'm father's run, guts. I'm, I'm running away because my father murdered. Well, that doesn't come up till next episode. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So this episode is very good because you get this very emotional range from Shinji because you get this little kid, this young boy who's been so emotionally damaged to like you have throughout the course of the season, you have Shinji who is grown up. He's he's like, yeah, he likes getting praised like anybody does. Mm -hmm. Like he loves getting praised from his father and everybody. He's still a, a young man. He doesn't know. Like he's still I'm wrestling with his emotions, but then you have the Shinji who, after this incident, is like I'm done. I'm, I'm serious about this. I'm done. And then you get this the angel attack. You get the angel attack, and he he runs into what's his name? Kins not Kinsuke. Kyoji. Kyoji. He runs into Kyoji in the uh, in the 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 battle. He kind of just gives him, be like, hey, be like, you know, do what you're going to do. And he sees unit two get decimated. And that, that was just like, oh, literally, my. it's actually cut into tenths. <laughs> Arms and head. Arms and head. Just saying. Yeah. 40%, 10, 10, 20. That's 10 pieces. It's 10 pieces. That's what decimate means. It's yes. cut into tenths. Cut into tenths. That's true. So, I mean, like, there, there, there comes a really interesting point where it says that, I mean, like, throughout the course of the show, that the Ava pilots are connected to the Avas through their nervous system. So they feel. Which means they feel all of that. They feel all of that. So you had Asuka had her arm sheared off. And so she feels that. So they cut the connection for her head doesn't come off. <laughs> And, I actually yeah. do wonder if she had, pardon the phrase, lost her head, which is Atsuka in general, uh, would that have actually killed her? I don't know because they, while they, she while she still was connected, I mean. yeah, there's a possibility. Oh, they 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 they've blown uh, Ray's arm off before, and right. they did it in this episode before, right? But I mean, that's you can easily come back if your arm gets sheared off. Yeah. You're not going to be happy about it. You're going to be in, in bad trouble. So yes, that kind of makes sense. But if your head gets cut off, you're gone. Yes. So I do wonder the way this is set up. Mm -hmm. If she, if her nerves were still connected into the Evangelion and synced and the head gets cut off, does, can she survive that? Or does yeah. that cause like some other thing? I don't know. Yeah. 
yeah there's I mean, like there's there's different things that you know does take part be like definitely in the rebuild films where they they kind of tweak that it's just like oh if you if if you're if you're if your ava is injured you get injured where in the show it's not you just get you know you know emotional damage or neurological damage um but it's interesting because they, they kind of they don't know about really what to do with it but uh and then you have be like shinji finally he kind of mans up be like be like are you gonna do the right thing you're gonna run away his his dilemma does he run or do the right thing and he goes and does the right thing and uh yeah we get berserk mode again and we get num 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 angel <laughs> i mean that moment that when, when he takes the other angel's arm off yes and attaches it to the Ava oh. and it turns into a giant human hand. Oh, uh-huh. Gee, that's not foreboding in the slightest. No. And then, then we get with, uh, oh, what's the crap? What's the science's name? What's her name? Um, not Masato. Uh, uh, Ritsuko. Ritsuko. Yeah, Ritsuko starts explaining things to Masato. And it's like, oh, this and this and be like, oh, the the Ava is just simple. Like it's it's an armor. It's a shell. It's a it's to uh to to keep the Ava bound. Mm-hmm. And then you have all these little things are short to unwind here and there. It's just like, oh crap, this is what's really happening. Okay. Something about a third impact, maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know yet. Be like, if you've seen the show, you know exactly what's going to happen. But you know, keep all your quietness uh, down. I, I like how I think this is more in the next one. Everyone's going about. Well, I don't know why we all all this is happening. What's Gendo thinking? And Gendo's going all according to plan. Because mm-hmm. I don't care about any of you people. Mm-hmm. Smithers, release the hounds. Mm. <laughs> the word you can't use on family-friendly shows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that jerk, jerk, jerk is the nicest <laughs> word we can use, or the meanest word we are allowed to use. <laughs> oh my gosh! And it's like, it's like Shinji gets back in the Ava and be like, he's about to get taken out. The Ava goes, not today. And yeah, goes berserk and eats the angel. Nom 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 nom. Literally, yeah. And you just get this like nom 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 angel. But yeah, that's that's the episode. It's literally it's this, and we get this you know revelation. What's going on behind the scenes? Which you kind of know already. It's like oh yeah, because the the Avas aren't really. Robots, they're some kind of being that they sl- they created from Adam, I believe. Yes. And, uh, yeah, and it's got a human soul in it. I wonder who. <laughs> we'll get that in the next episode. Uh-huh. So, episode 20. Episode 20. Of the Shape of Hearts and Humans. AKA Weaving a Story 2 Oral Stage. Directed by Masuhiko Otsuka and written solely by Hideaki Anno. And boy, does he go full Anno in this one. Yes, he does. With his physical form absorbed by Ava Unit 1, mm. Shinji drifts through an introspective state, again contemplating his mission and role as a pilot. Meanwhile, Ritsuko and Nerve desperately attempt to recover him. 
We have a new cast member in this one as well. Yui Ikari. Mm-hmm. Shinji's mother. Yeah. Played in the Japanese version by Megumi Hayashibara. Kim Sevier in the ADV dub. And it is unknown who is voicing her in net the Netflix dub. Come on, Netflix. Come on, Netflix. You are hurting this woman's career, whoever she is. <laughs> uh, Angel appearance. None. It's just recaps. It's just a re it's just the recaps from the last one. Like technically you see a couple seconds of uh what's lost his name? Uh Zeruel at the beginning while yeah. Shinji's eating it. Or unit one is eating it. Yeah, yeah, unit one. Eat it one? Yeah. Units unit one, one is eating him. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 Angel. But that's the closest we get. Yes. And the fly me to the moon in this one. Is B as a B four and it's instrumental that's led by the piano. Uh, wow, this has got some weird end of two thousand one of space odyssey vibes. Just a little bit, and uh, I want to thank you for warning me. You're welcome. Actually, this time about <laughs> don't you want to don't. Don't you want to become one with me? me? Don't you want to become one with me? Oh like, my gosh! Uh, <laughs> that's that that this whole sequence with Shinji. I'm going. Uh, what is? I, I get what's going on. Yes. I understand the symbolism. Yes. What is going on? <laughs> you know that feels like I understand what's going on, but I don't know what's going on. Right. You know what I mean? Uh huh. It's like okay, so he's. Obviously, talking to the Ava, which... okay, or is the Ava talking to him? Hang on. Let's go ahead or, and mm-hmm. cut this... Ban- tear this Band-Aid off. Yes. It's painfully obvious the Evangelians mm-hmm. are captured angels or are come from angel material that the humans have somehow messed with and contain the souls of people who are obviously connected. Mm-hmm. Unit one is obviously Shinji's mother. mother. Unit two. Unit two, as we don't know yet, though more than likely, I bet it's Atsuka's mother. Unit, Unit one. zero, on the other hand, yeah. I'm assuming it might also be Yui. Yeah. Because apparently Gendo wanted to, if he had a daughter, wanted to name her Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Yeah, a little weird. Just you a know, little. Little. You know, right before we started going through Evangelion, I showed with you uh, Evangelion Abridged. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh. I did not get half the joke. No, in you that, didn't. I was like, oh, Which snap. has become painfully obvious. So uh, I've been cloning Ray for centuries or however long. Yeah. And. We won't go into the other line that he said he did with his dead wife. Oh, no, no. But. No, uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, anyway, uh, Gendo, you sick, sick bastard. <laughs> I will take the word. Yep. He is a very sick, sick. I'll say he's a sick, sick puppy. Yeah. To use your terminology. Yes. Yeah, sick, 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 sick mother sick puppy. puppy. Sick mother puppy. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to keep that in there. Actually, just keep, just keep that. Keep that. <laughs> oh, my oh. parents aren't watching. 
you're welcome. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, this this episode is a uh, lot of a lot of in introspective mind warping stuff. Oh, just wait till a couple episodes later, bud. Oh, dude, I've already seen the the uh, the, ne- the, Oscar, ne- the Oscar episode. Ne- well, let me put it this way: Netflix has a uh, a warning. No, let me talk. Thumbnails okay. in front of each episode. Okay. And the last one does have a ton of rays in it. Yes. I have seen because of certain other clips that exposed me to Evangelion before I knew it was I was looking at. Yes. I'm aware that there's a bit of a physical altercation between Shinji and Ray at some point. Sorry, uh, Atsuka at some Asuka. point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's television show or movie. It's the latter. Movie? Latter. That makes sense, actually, because mm. it's a lot more brutal than I think they could get away with on TV. Yeah. Though, didn't we have an episode recently where someone ch- choked out somebody? Uh, that was a Ava. That was Ava Unit w- 1. It was, ch- it was choking out the monster, wasn't it? No, it was choking out the other Ava units. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That that doesn't count as being bad because that's two, ro- two robots yeah. doing oh, it. Yeah. It's the same reason why uh, Samurai Jack could be so bloody because it wasn't they weren't cutting up humans. They were cutting up robots. Exactly. Somehow that's better. Yeah. Because like, you have this episode where it's like Shinji is interacting with the Ava, a.k.a. his mother. Painfully obvious. Painfully so. obviously. And it's be like, he's be like, it's like we have this information and be like, oh, Gendo killed his, oh, that can't be true, blah, 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 blah. Be like, you'd never know with Gendo, the sick, the sick puppy. <laughs> I just realized something from earlier, but we're going to move on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> going to move on. <laughs> yeah. So this, this episode is more, uh, I, I guess it's, it's trying to figure, we are trying to figure out Shinji. So like Sh- Shinji wants to run, but he knows he can't. Here's okay. The thing. What's the thing? A couple episodes ago, we had the one where he was dealing with, uh, the one with the Derek C that the shadow. Angel. Oh, and he yeah. had that scene in that there where he was talking it. to that angel. Mm-hmm. That, I think was I thought the the uh, artsiest I thought it was going to get. Oh no! Until this episode, and I'm watching it and going, okay, this is the kind of uh, pretentious bull garbage, bull honky. I was really expecting from this show. Yeah, just wait. Just wait. Oh, good night. Because it's painfully obvious when you're watching this. Why he is, the angel is showing, sorry, the angel, Ava. The Ava is showing Shinji the women in his life and using that to kind of get into his head to mm. make it join with it. I'm mm. still sitting there going, that's your mother. <laughs> yeah, Shinji, you are almost as bad as your father. <laughs> Not that he knows it yet. No, but so, he doesn't. But so I'm going there. It's like, I get that you're wanting to Shinji to fully bond with you because I'm guessing Shinji fills a hole in the Ava's soul or something. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. And but I'm still watching going. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I it's get it. Up. I don't get it. I get it. I, I don't, don't get it. I get it. I don't get it. <laughs> 
now I'm beginning to worry. If the I'm not beginning to worry. I kind of already know that "Fly Me to the Moon" as the series finale theme song, as the ending theme. There's that. That was not just chosen randomly. No, wasn't. <laughs> That's there. Though the moon is going to be a thing that's going to come up. I just know because there's because she got Ray spinning upside down in that closing in front of the moon and I'm going uh, and it's been painfully obvious there's a connection between Ray and the moon and then Atsuka is still being a jerk and, and you know I'm just going to be thankful for uh, the fourth children whatever his name is uh, what is his name uh, Toji Toji I'm thankful that he is in the hospital right now because he didn't have to put up with any of this nonsense without a leg hmm? he doesn't have a leg Yes, but he also does not have to put up with any of the nonsense Shinji's having to put up with. He's having still having a, a crappy day, but a relatively normal one. Yeah, at least Class Rep came and said Yeah, at hi. least he has his girlfriend. Yeah. Who is, hasn't quite admitted their boyfriend-girlfriend yet. No. <laughs> yeah, th- this is a really weird episode, and like the, they they're trying to use the experiment, trying to pull his soul and back. And it's not working. And who helps him? Masato. Yes. And Masato pulls him back into reality. And well, I, hey, I will say I do like that scene yeah. where they finally get the plug open. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the entry plug open. Yeah. His plug suit that's he somehow manifested because he wasn't wearing the plug suit when he yeah. went into it in the that last episode. But mm-hmm. he, somehow they, they even say this, that he manifested his plug suit somehow in the LCL mm-hmm. fluid. And she's crying over this because it's the closest thing she has to a body at this mm-hmm. moment for Shinji. Yeah. Because honestly, she's been more of a mother to him, been more family to him than anybody else in this show has been. Yeah. For one reason or another. Sick, sick puppy Gendo. Yes. And then <laughs> Shinji apparently decides he wants to live <laughs> and just Falls out like With, without a parallel on. No, no. Well, of course he doesn't have a on. She's holding his plug suit. Don't want to know where his school uniform went. That's true. But he just pops out there, and for some reason there was a weird sound effect with it. At least yeah. in my version. Yeah. Where it's like all I heard was a boop, splash. Boop, like it was a splash, and, and the camera goes. It's like, oh look, buck naked Shinji. <laughs> Fly me to the moon. Oh, good night. Yeah. And I don't mean the one in the sky. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh god! We got mooned. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm and, and then I'm of course, for life. And then of course, we get the end of this episode where Masato has a late night rendezvous. Oh my gosh! Yes, with Goober yeah. Boy, whose name I just lost. <laughs> with the name. Goober Boy, I forgot his name. I'm sorry. Uh, the, the, the the quadruple agent in the quadruple thing. agent, yes, because <laughs> he's working for everybody. Yes, uh, and Koji, yeah, to, yeah, not not, Toji, uh, 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 Ryoji, yeah, Ryuji, K A J I, Kyoji, Kyoji, yeah, Kyoji, yeah, Kyoji, and and something to do with a pill, and yes, yeah, something to do with a pill, <laughs> and you're welcome. Uh, let's just. Uh, they saved some anim- some budget in the animation on this scene. Just a little. Because, <laughs> yeah, they didn't even put bubbles in the beer. 
No, they didn't. Because if they did that, it's like, well, this would still feel like a scene that's alive and not just, <laughs> why do I have to listen to them doing this and stare at a bottle, at a glass of beer that's obviously not going to get drank? Again, you're welcome. <laughs> Evangelion, you sick, sick puppy. Hideekiano, you sick, sick, sick puppy. puppy. Oh, it gets worse later on. I Let's can tell you're depressed while making this. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. That was episode 20. <laughs> There's what? Six episodes left? Uh, Roughly, maybe. And then the end of Evangelion? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I don't get... I'm going to have some thoughts when we get to end of Evangelion because I am going to get it all out and that episode i'll tell you right now six episodes left yeah six episodes uh one two three yeah six episodes six but i'm just gonna tell you right now this is going off the deep end and i am now really looking forward to the more simple wholesome fun of spy family (laughs) (laughs) i told you this was a mess up series I knew it was a messed up series before we got started. Mm-hmm. I am now understanding how messed up it is. Because I'm like, ah. just wait till the movie. Oh, barnacles. <laughs> a lot of orange juice. That is a. See, here's the thing. When I said that line originally, yes. I was literally thinking, okay, it's. Evangelion is obviously an allegory for growing up and. Mm. This was the loss of innocence, we'll say. Yes. <laughs> to use a nice word for it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. When this show started, we were watching us. Like, okay, I'm probably a little off. This is more going to be about, you know, being a man, being brave, not running away from your troubles. There's going to be some other stuff coming up there. Sure. But that's my business. And the more closer and closer we get to the end. You know, my original thought is seeming more and more accurate about what that is in reality, symbolically. You know? Yes. On that note, next episode. Yes. We, I think, I could be wrong here. We might be getting some lore. Maybe. (laughs) With the birth of Nerve. Nerf, 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 nerf. The Gendo and the Ava. I don't know. No, wait. Gendo is obviously the brain. Who would be Pinky? Shiji. What, what, is, what is his assistant's name? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, crap. I, I don't remember huh. either. Or. I, I, I'm going to have to to make that parody. But yeah, we got the birth of Nerf and then staying human. As our next two episodes, 21 and 22, six episodes left. Hey, seven total mm-hmm. episodes of emotional damage. damage. And just wait until we do the rebuild films. Just saying. Eventually. Eventually, we'll get there. We'll I've get already there. seen two of them, so I kind of know. I've seen all four of them. They're but, funky. But that being said, oh, bear in mind what I said when I get around to watching... We get to end of Evangelion. I'm not just watching end of Evangelion. Mm. I'm watching the other half too. Mm-hmm. That's just a recap of the whole show. Yeah. Why? Good animation. Because A, good animation. And B, 
I will probably want a recap of exactly all the nonsense that I just watched. <laughs> yes. So, because they're, they're both on Netflix. That's true. So I, I I remember I don't know if you sent me this or someone I saw it somewhere, but someone sent me this like a like a Dragon Ball Z abridged uh, poop spoof scene of a certain scene from the movie itself, and it was all about ice cream, and I was like, oh dear lord, no, 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 don't do moving that. on. Yes, moving join us along. next oh week gosh, for man. the Super Mario Brothers yes. movie, which will yes. be a far more fun uh, time. Yes, then Evangelion's gonna and be. then we're gonna go back right back, back into, into the motion down. Just, mm, Again, you're welcome. Fly me to the freaking moon. That's Get that's no that is my copy. new curse word. <laughs> fly when, I, when I need to say something, this has just beat to a bloody pulp. Jiminy crickets on a pogo <laughs> stick. Because now fly me to the freaking moon. <laughs> In the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And before we go insane, we'll catch you on the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts. Google Play Podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. Megatron, but Shinji, nerve, 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 nerve. No. <laughs> Point. Okay, that's the end of the episode. Yes. So y'all didn't hear us when we were had the sound down while the thing was going, mm. but we both. I realized I need to re-record our intro to the episode really quick. Okay. I'm only going to go through uh, the to the end of the hello and welcome. I won't. I won't go into joining me today. I'm just going to okay. re-record that part of it.